Hey community, in today's episode, Matt sits down with author Rich Kirkpatrick to talk about creativity and worship. They're going to talk about ways to be creative as a worship leader, creativity and worship itself, and a bunch more. So enjoy the interview. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy, and I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com and the host of the Loop Live show. Today, I have a very special guest, a good friend, Rich Kirkpatrick. He's an author, a musician, and a consultant, and uh, really passionate about worship, really passionate about creativity. He's got this new book out. It's called Mind Blown. Unlock Your Creative Genius by Bridging Science and Magic. Mind Blown shows you how to transform ideas from imagination to creation. So we're going to talk a little bit about creativity in the church as worship pastors, worship leaders, and looking forward to uh, picking his brain about this topic. If you guys have any questions at all while we're talking, type them into the chat. We might take a few live if there are any, and uh, it's going to be a great conversation. So what are we waiting on? Let's go ahead and bring in Rich Kirkpatrick. Hello, Rich. Hello, Matt. Good to see you again. Good to see you, man. Last time I saw you was at the Worship Innovators Conference in October, and uh, it was awesome. I'm so glad you came out to that. And you taught a couple workshops, didn't you? Yeah, about creativity, which, of course, is the thing that just is driving yeah. my engine right now. And yeah. what a great group of folks that were there. Uh, you got to yeah. be innovative to be a worship yeah. leader now. You can't just... <laughs> Get up right. there with a guitar anymore or piano, right. whatever you play. Right. Yeah, I know people are hunger, hungry for just something different. Not the same mm-hmm. old, same thing every single Sunday, but, uh, you know, this authenticity, but also a, um, I don't know, creativity, like something that's new, you know, and the scripture says like sing a new song to the Lord, not like sing, you know, the same song you've sung a thousand times, sing a new song. And uh, there's creativity in that. And um, anyways, you've written this book. You've written a few other books. Haven't you? Well, I read a lot of stuff, but my last book is called Six Hats of the Worship Leader, which has done really well. Um, just as a primer to help a worship leader, you can wear a hat, share a hat, or give a hat away. And so I've been a worship leader for many years. I was that young, youngest guy on the staff who had these ideas and had to get through yeah. committees or the pastor's whim. And so, yeah. um, and I've written a lot about that on my blog uh, over the years, too, just trying to help myself and others. Um, yeah survive sometimes. Yeah. You're a really, really talented writer. And um, I want to know, so why, tell me, first of all, why you decided to really dive into creativity. I'm just curious, like in the past, like what made you want to write this book about creativity? Is there something that sparked that? Like where you're like, hey, I just, I'm really interested in this topic. Well, for one, there's creative people and there's not creative people. At least that's what I've been told. And so there was always this group of people, like at Worship Innovators, where you're yeah. around them and you just know we get each other. And then yeah. there's folks who they don't they don't think they're creative and they think they don't get you. And I said, why is that the case? This can't be this can't be what creativity is. It's just this small group of people. Yeah. And so when I did research for this book, twenty percent of us are what they call divergent thinkers, which are more the creative kind of open mindedness, and eighty percent are convergent thinkers. But the truth is what. The brain scientists have said and researchers is that we need to be both. And so I think that kind of made an aha moment for me because, you know, I need to show up for meetings on time, but I also need to be the creative guy who comes up with a new experience and idea. So both of those kinds of things I discovered are important. And so I had to own over the years, you know, showing up on time for meetings, 
like with Matt today. Um, <laughs> and also coming up with a new idea. Like we've well, done like 52 weekends a year. Yeah. You got to, you know, your job's almost on the line to at least not just phone it in. Yeah. So right. that really propelled me to how do I help myself? So it's selfishness in, in a way, yeah. but also the people I know kind of talk about what is this creative thing. So I try to define creativity in a way that demystified it. Do you think that anybody can be creative? Yes. I think the common wisdom is that there are, there are some who are born with creativity or it's just kind of this voodoo or magic thing, which is why I use magic, not for literally magic, but, but then it's a process. So I believe unlike that, that creativity is this process that's a human process we're wired. There's a lot of theologians. One of my favorite books is Art and Faith, I believe it's called. Um, and uh, I'm going to butcher his name because all of a sudden I threw a blank. Um, a Japanese, um, he does Kinsintu, um art. But anyway, he has this beautiful book about the theology of what we're made designed to be. And N.T. Wright endorsed his book. So Art and Faith, look it up. Um, and so I really, as a Christian, always thought, you know, we're supposed to make things. We're supposed to to add to the world, not tear down. And so I really think that that's kind of the difference. Everybody in their own way is creative. So you have, I have in my book, a robot and a wizard. Some of us are like yeah. me. They're kind of like quirky, like a rope like, or like the uh, wizard. And we come up with dreaming ideas. And then there's the robot, which I gave him electric guitar. Cause you know, electric guitar players are very technical yeah. and, and there's, that's a creativity too, is coming up like a scientist thinking through process before you execute a lot of times what we do is devalue one of those sides. We say you're yeah. too gooey or you're too technical. When really the bridge between those is the magic I'm talking about. If you can somehow learn to travel between these two ways of thinking, we think they're opposite. That's what they call dualism, by the way, just to get a little technical. But dualism is, is, is a fallacy because two different things can be true at the same time. And in that case... Um, it's kind of like one city has rain here in California, especially we have like sunshine and somebody's flooding right now. Two things are true, but they're not in the same space. So what I've tried to do is just help people who think I'm not creative. Like, well, you just need to learn to go to that other space sometimes. And, you know, if your ideas don't come easy to you, that's what you need to, that's a muscle you can work on. Or you got lots of ideas, but how do I get them done? Uh, there's a lot of folks, 80% of the population that can help you execute things and get them out to the world. Yeah, that's amazing. How can being creative as worship leaders grow us as leaders and as worshipers? Well, I'll start with the worshiper part because creativity is about imagination. It's about thinking of things that don't exist. And faith is this process that we have where we're singing literally to invisible I mean, I don't, some people may have audible voices and things that I've, they've experienced and, and, and I don't discount that, but what it takes to have a spiritually formed life is a vivid imagination of what would it be like if Jesus was sitting with me as I'm praying. And then when you get into a corporate sense, so that's as a worshiper, when I get in as a worship leader, then am I helping people's imagination grow to a point where they can really see the uh, intellectual truth as well as the experiential truth? that Jesus is in this room and that it's a reality that can change their lives. And it's not just an emotion, but emotions are real too. It's a response to this belief that, that we know God shows up somehow. Yeah. And then the tradition of the sacraments, like the, the, the piece of bread. So if we believe a little piece of bread and wine is actually the presence of Jesus, 
why would not his saints gathering and singing be a similar kind of thing? And so I see creativity then as a way to how do we help people's imagination, both in my own personal prayer life, but also just in that room. How do I help that? Yeah, that's good. What? So sometimes it feels like worship leaders maybe don't have a lot of freedom to be creative because, you know, you're just picking songs that maybe you didn't write. You know, these are like, that's just the top 10 songs that are being sung right now in the church. And you may not feel like you have a lot of creative freedom (laughs) in a role as a worship pastor. Because you also, with the world of tracks, you know, people are just like playing a track. They're playing the song exactly as it sounds on the album. And maybe they play at the same time every time. What are some areas that a worship leader can be creative in? Well, there's kind of like two parts to that question. The first part is this limitation you have. Um, I think everybody seems to think that creativity is an open range thing. You need just total open options to be creative. The truth that I found is that there's a beauty in limitations, that actually having a time that you have to constrain with, a set of songs you have to work with, uh, arrangements you have to work with, are how creativity really happens. Um, It's a canvas. So you can't really make a painting without a canvas size. You need to actually have a canvas size. So if my canvas size is this song, then then it's up to me to be creative with what I have and to Mm -hmm. see what it is. So so that's the first part of that. And the second part of it is what you do with that limitation now is, is really now you need to start to come up with ideas. For instance, you have a song you're doing with a track. Tracks are great. Well, do you have to do it in the same form? I know a lot of people have, they play the track the same way, but as you know, you don't have to. You could uh, take a bridge out and repeat a different part of the song. You can change the key. You can add a different instrument in there. You can use a saxophone instead of a lead guitar. You can do so many things that don't take you like 50 yards away from where you're Mm -hmm. at, but could at least add some spice uh, to the recipe without getting out of your box. So I think, Matt, that sometimes we say we got to be out of the box. Really what it is, is finding that edge of the box and being sure we can fill it all. So mm-hmm. am I willing to go to the edge? So if I'm using tracks, am I willing to see all the possibilities that this track can do? And yeah. within the variables, mathematically, of how many time, ways I can adjust a song, it's yeah. it's phenomenal. And make it a female yeah. song, you know, make it a... There's so much stuff you can do. And and yeah. your listeners will know this already. I love that concept of the box and borders because I think without without the borders or the box, what you could have is chaos. <laughs> so like it could almost be like too much freedom where I love, I actually really love playing with tracks for that reason in that it actually frees me up. It doesn't, I don't see it as a thing where it locks me down. It actually frees me up to really be able to lead, to not have to like, think too much about the whole structure of the song and I can really have freedom to, to lead and maybe even like pause the song and do something. So actually like this weekend we're, uh, we're playing a song and we're going to stop halfway through it and do an open mic scripture reading where I'm basically going to be like, Hey, you know, I want everybody to pull out their Bible right now. And I want you to find a verse that has really meant something to you in a Valley that you've been in your life. And we're going to line up at these microphones on the front and we're going to, read God's word over one another. And when we're done reading, we're going to jump back into singing again. And, Oh, I love it. You know, there are elements, there's things you can do that are added creativity, like you said. And it is like, you keep this like box, there's structure. There's actually good in structure. (laughs) 
I'm glad my house has like walls and it's not just completely <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. there is safety. There is uh, <clears throat> it's not chaos. And um, well, chaos is not creativity. I think this is kind of this, this, this um, antithetical to being creative. I have this, this term I call the blank canvas panic attack. Yeah. If I'm starting with absolutely no guidelines with yeah. nothing, then I'm panicking as a creative person because I do need a structure. I do yeah. need to know here's the color you paint with, or yeah. here's the song you have. Now, Matt, you want to put a prayer element in there and that's totally creative. So you're not taking yeah. away your structure to make a creative idea work. You're actually using the structure. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Cause yeah, if you didn't have a canvas, like let's say you're going to paint and you didn't even have a canvas to paint. So you didn't even know where the boundaries were. Then where do you paint? Like you start painting on your walls, like you, and it can go forever. <laughs> My daughter paints on her walls, which she does yeah. a great job. But <laughs> yeah, really started to experiment with that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm always, I always give her a piece of paper and I say, paint on this paper right here. Don't don't paint on the table. But um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. What? So if worship leaders wanting to push boundaries, maybe or maybe not even push boundaries, but fill the box fully because they haven't been filling it currently and they're getting pushback from people on their team or their pastor or their church. Um, what can a worship leader do to help ease that resistance? I think the, the, the two answers to that, first of all, is, is reframing what is creativity. So you go to your leaders and say, I'm not here to change everything, but what if we could take like Matt's illustration uh, yeah. a song and break it up and do this, this uh, unpredictable open mic thing in the middle yeah. of it. So I think what it does is explaining to our leaders, their fear is that we have no concern sometimes mm-hmm. because uh, just to be honest, some of us have given it a bad rap myself included where we just get excited about ideas and we don't really explain the follow through part of it. We don't see yeah. that as part of creativity. And the truth is, and this one, the book, I have these three processes. The third step in there is about execution, getting it out to the world, the story. And I think oftentimes what we forget ourselves and to tell our leadership is that, you know what, it's not just about my idea, which I'm excited about, but I need to also get excited about how am I going to get this to people where they can enjoy it? Like you, you made a service, just your example. Okay. You're, you sound like excited that I really think people are going to connect with this because when it's different and it gives them a chance to you know, participate in a different, yeah. And so that's exciting. So you, when you explain that idea, just as an example to your pastor saying, Hey, you know, um, we're still going to use the same kind of song, but we have this little experiment. I used to call it this for one pastor. I said, okay, we had this project sheet, like everybody does, right. With planning center or whatever tool. And we were so, you know, production, I'm like kind of a time guy, but I always say we need to plan two places in the service that even our 15 seconds where we decide that it could go this way, this way, or a different way. Yeah. And if it doesn't go that way, we go on. Like, for instance, a spontaneous prayer by the worship leader or pastor. So we prepare for a moment that could be yeah. open, but we also put it in a structure so that it had a chance to, if it didn't, I mean, nothing happened. Yeah. And yeah. we weren't, you know, we realized it doesn't always happen that way. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I'm choosing to be charismatic in a moment, but yeah. if the spirit doesn't move, I'm not going to be upset about it. That's not up to me. And yeah. what you do with creativity is you do the same thing as you say, I want to be open to these things, yeah. but we're not going to change everything else yet because yeah. order um, and thoughtfulness is part, I think even in, in the Bible talks a lot about order of worship and things like that. 
Because mm-hmm. chaos, you mentioned that word, you know, it really doesn't help us communicate and be a community if people don't know what's going on. Yeah, right. And you can plan and be creative. Like, because <laughs> a lot of times people <laughs> see creativity as like the opposite of planning. Like you were saying, like there's different types of yeah. people. There's the creative people and then there's the planners. And like, they're two different things, but you can actually plan to be creative. So I liked what you said about scheduling and time in your service for something to happen. I was even thinking a couple of weeks ago, I was leading worship. Uh, I was doing like an acoustic set with a, just a piano player. And during rehearsal, as we were playing the last song, I just was thinking like, oh man, it'd be awesome to launch into this song called Son of Suffering. And so I kind of like did it in rehearsal, just kind of like, and you know, the lyric people in the back are freaking out because they're like, what, what song is he doing? And we don't have the, we, that's not in the sheet. That's not the planning center. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, they're like panicking, thinking like, this is, we can't do this. This is not in planning center. And I just told them afterwards, I was like, you know what? They're like, are you going to do that? I'm like, I don't know, but plan on me doing it. And let's just see what happens. <laughs> like, let's see yeah. in the service. I just want to see how it's feeling, whether we're going to do it or not, but have it ready. And so they did, you know, they pulled up the song and had it in Prague presenter or whatever. And that's kind of an example of like being creative, but planning to be able to be creative. <laughs> well, Making yeah. And the space. people, and as you know, like technical volunteers, the biggest fear is they have, they just, they want to be invisible and do a great job serving. Yeah. And so when they get on the spot, when we like throw something at them, but to, like you did coach them saying, here's what could happen. Yeah. You're basically taking, that's what creativity is though, Matt. That's what that bridge between science and magic. It's logic and, and imagination. You need both of those things yeah. um, in real time and in, in real situations. And if leadership understood, and we understood as creatives that that's really what it is, mm-hmm. then we can help our leadership not be so averse to us trying an idea because we could fail, but we knew here's what happens if we're going to fail pastor. If, if the, if the song doesn't yeah. come on, the team knows, and it, and it won't be a bump, and we'll explain to the, the church what's going on if we had to beforehand. Yeah, all of that is really just like you said, the planning. And so, planning is really the convergent thinking. Like, here's the sorting of things. Yeah, and then the the divergent thinking is like, let's do something different. And yeah. they're not opposed to each other. They yeah. just need a difficult bridge built. Yeah, right. So, without giving away too much of what's in the book because it's a great book and people should go get it and read it. Uh, can you give us just like a quick overview of the three parts, the three process? Yeah. And so basically there's a point with ideas that you discover, you develop and you deliver. And that's where you, the first of that, I call it the dream where your, your brain is open to all of these ideas and is yeah. a process for that, that I go through that is well-researched, which is interesting to learn. Um, and then the second part is like making the prototype is how do I develop this idea? How does it work? And you know, as someone who's, who's actually made hardware and stuff and software that you get a point where, okay, we got to see what this really does in a real situation. And and so there's that part of an idea where you go through, uh, that's the limitations, the boundaries, what's my canvas. You decide upon it. We only have this much budget, so we got to make these changes. And then the third part of it is what I call the story. And the story is this, it's kind of interesting because I use the idea of a story, which I call a container for dreams. It's an interesting thing. It's, it's kind of sounds like a paradox, but what a story does is when we, we discover who, who, who our audience is, who the hero is, who the villain is, what's the conflict we're trying to solve. When we think of our creation in that terms, which it could be our city, here's who comes to our church, here's who doesn't, we would love right. to come to our church. Those are, that's a story. 
And so when we take the idea through all these steps and then it's a bridge and we go back and forth on them, meaning sometimes we got to go back to the original idea and reimagine it. Sometimes we have to add a budget or realize that, hey, we got less budget. So the idea is it's a fluid process that's both iterative and, um, you know, uh, steps. So what I try to do is just take what people way smarter than I was and try to say, how can I get a handle on seeing where I need help? So some of us yeah. need lots of help on, on the planning or the, the story part where, how do we deliver it? Some people need like, where's the spreadsheet? What's the budget of this? I can't even think of that. That's why there's people like your friend, Derek, who's amazing. He just knows here's what we got to do. Yeah. But then idea people, you know, some of us, which are rare, when we get together, we think it's the best thing in the world because no one else understands us. We need to be willing to say, we're just one side of the coin. We need to have those other folks with us. And so that's the process. The process is really a human process. I kind of think creativity is just another word for being human yeah. and for what people do. We're made in God's image. Uh, Tolkien called us sub-creators. And so this idea of this three, this three steps isn't that there's just three steps, but it's just a way to look at what do people do when we're being people at our best. Yeah. When we're humble enough to see where we're deficient and we need each other, a community. We're humble enough to see that uh, we need growth where we need our brains to kind of think an opposite direction than they're used to because we're so comfortable with just execution. Maybe we don't think about the creative ideas enough. So those kinds of things to me help us become better people uh, in general. And it's not about being an artist or this musician person because your tech person who is an operator even, they they need to feel like they can be creative too. That, mm-hmm. that they are part of this process, even if it's not like hands-on, they yeah. know that they're part of making a service or whatever your event you're doing. Right. Great. And, and, and that, so that's what that's for. It's really just a way to explain creativity as a process. It's not this voodoo thing that just some people can do. We yeah. all do it. It's just, are we willing to do the homework? Yeah. As you have consulted with churches, worship leaders, where would you say, is the major bottleneck for creativity happening in church. Is there a point in that process, like one of those three points that churches seem to kind of completely ignore or don't nourish? I think the idea generation, which is the discovering the, the, um, the dream is one of those because um, a lot of times, Oh, we got an idea. It's good enough. Let's just go with it. Yeah. And you don't really come up with 10 ideas or a hundred ideas is really what you need in order to have the best idea, it's like, no, now you just started when you have one good idea. Now you need to see 10 ideas. Challenge it. So that's, that's the number one thing. But the, the, the other side of it is the, yeah. the other two, uh, the execution. Like there's a lot of pastors I work with who are dreamers and have great ideas, but they can't get things pushed further along yeah. because they're, they're not able to take an idea and understand that, you know, it's going to morph and look different when someone else takes it over. Yeah. And they got to let go of it. And so those are the two. Number one would be idea generation. And number two would be just how do I let go of this? And still it's my vision and helping pastors do that. It's funny because I was just thinking through the idea generation and the dreaming part. I can totally see the different personality types and how they interact with that. In that sometimes the people who are very much like, you know, the ones on the Enneagram, very administrative process oriented. You know, they want it to be very black and white, like hate the idea part because it's just like, like, like I've been in uh, dreaming brainstorm meetings with people like that. 
and like they can last maybe five minutes before they're like, okay, so what are we going to do? Because <laughs> they like want to know like, okay, wait, so what have we decided? Like what, what actually are we going to do? And it's like, no, 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 this is actually just like everything is on the table at this point. Like complete yeah. dreaming. Well, because that's that's where you have one one idea goes to ten things in divergent thinking. I talk about yeah. this in the book, and then in convergent thinking, that person's thinking, "I have ten things now. Let's sort them." Mm. And yeah. both are needed. It's just that in a brainstorm meeting, yeah. sometimes you need to let. I think you should excuse some people if it's tough yeah. for them, but yeah. also they could just, if they're willing to wait long enough, we're going to desperately need them yeah. by the time we have a hundred ideas on the wall, because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to say, "Okay, that's great." How do yeah. we do that with this budget now? Yeah. And then we're going to thank them later. <laughs> I try to identify that person early and have them be the person who writes it up on the whiteboard. Oh, well, see, you're smart. You know this. And this, anyone because who's they, creative and makes things happen knows this. It's yeah. Tough, because they can be the ones to like really make the whiteboard perfectly, you know, perfect <laughs> handwriting, very organized. And they won't forget. They won't like edit like, out because if they know their job is to do this. Yeah is yeah. to write them out. They're going to do that where some of us like, I forgot what that was because I don't like that idea. Yeah. Uh, not that I've ever done that before. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I probably funny because actually. I'm probably more of, I probably lean more on the dreaming side. I love to dream and I love challenging my own dreams with other dreams. So like coming up with a great idea, but then being like, yeah, but maybe it's not great enough. And like trying to find something else. And it sometimes drives people on my team crazy because they're like, <laughs> okay, so but which one are we doing? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm still just throwing ideas out at you. Like we're just thinking here. We're just dreaming. And, um, but it's anyways, but most of the things that loop community have all come from those processes. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so my last question for you is how do you balance being creative without taking away from the worship service? So, because I do think that people could maybe overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're people in the congregation who are coming, who are coming to church expecting to be led end up not being led because the person on stage is just like being overly creative. Well, an example of that, since I'm a jazz musician is if I were to take my jazz habits and start going off and scatting or playing, you know, yeah. solos on my piano during an inappropriate time, I might, it might be really creative in its right context. Yeah. Like at, like alone in my, right. in my house. Right. But, you know, what w- part of the story, part of creativity is the balancing that. And what that story does is say, here's who I'm playing and are making this thing for. Yeah. And I got to sit in their shoes. So empathy, which I talk a little bit about in the book is really part of creativity's power. So an artist who's a maestro who thinks it's about me and my expression is really toxic and we can accidentally get into that because, you know, a lot of people might love what we do and our talent is, is your mm-hmm. face is on a big jumbotron sometimes. Like I've been yeah. in that kind of situation and you're like, what the heck? And people have this weird thought of that. So you could yeah. get away with stuff. And, and, but then yeah. are people, am I sitting in that pew with that person and am I experiencing with someone different than me, something that, that they need that's serving them. And so an artist is going to, if you're writing a, a, a Broadway play, you're going to think about who is going to this play. How are they going to respond to this scene? How, and, and so why would a worship leader or a pastor not look at that as a way of saying, I'm here to serve that person and I could still be creative, but the question is how do I take what 
I have to offer and do it in yeah. a way that those people, at, and so for instance, like writing a book, I had editors, it hurt like rich. What the heck is this? Right. Right. And, and, and that's why I put footnotes. Cause I want it to be in a way, you know, you as a writer, just as an example, so people can get something useful out of it. And, yeah. and if I'm invisible in the process and saying like, like my book, for instance, or the worship service I lead really lead somebody, then okay. I've succeeded. But if my success is they see how creative I am, I might want to ask a question like, maybe I'm not being creative enough because they're noticing the creativity. But if they're noticing the story or the person of Jesus or being filled in a way that they didn't expect, yeah, and I'm just there helping do it and they don't even know what I did, yeah, then I'm successful. Yeah. Wow. Man, I love this topic. I just feel like there's so much. I love the topic of creativity. And it might be because I'm just like creative inside of, inside of me. That's like what I love doing. What is really sad though, is that when you live in a world where you have to like fight for time to be creative because you're just bogged down with emails and running and doing tasks. And, and then you get to the end of the day and you're like, wow, I like never was able to be creative. <laughs> I was well, you just can't like, play enough, right? And, and, yeah. and isn't this what you're talking about? It's like, you know, um, yeah. in a worship pastor sometimes in their role can be the, totally uncreative. They're like massively administrative to get everything done, like 52 weekends. And if they're not there, it doesn't matter. If there's a second campus or a second service, they have mm-hmm. to make sure that happens even if they're not in the room. So yeah. what you're saying is it's a pain that a lot of us have to do. And so fighting for Creativity, in my opinion, sometimes as a worship leader, if I can go back in time and when I was younger and in these big churches and stuff, I would say, give yourself permission to play, Mm -hmm. find a way to sneak out, find a way to see um, a movie, find a way to to spend a lunch with a friend who's super challenging, get yourself out, read a novel, uh, do something for yourself that feeds and inspires you because inspiration is about breathing in. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes if we're just outputting all the time. It's not yeah. going to be good. And, and often we'll lose our jobs because, well, you're not creative enough, Rich, you know, yeah. and then you either play too much or you're too creative. So like you're saying, it's really hard um, to right. find that exact thing. And I don't want to minimize that for all the folks that who might be listening to this. It's a really tough way to explain this. And that's one reason I, I honestly wrote this book because I love the creative tribe. I want them to thrive I want, yeah. I want more companies like Loop Community. I want yeah. more churches to, to have a ability to expand what they do and have those creative people feel excited about them and their volunteers. Yeah. And so it's, it's really kind of like a windmill, like I'm you know fighting against yeah. the windmill sometimes. But I really believe this idea of creativity, if we could learn it as worship leaders, we have an opportunity to really help our church in ways that go beyond just leading worship. We can help folks be innovative in how they do other ministries. Um, But we have to be mature about it first. Yeah. Rich, where can people uh, find you, get a hold of you if they wanted to? rkblog.com. So I I write there and um, my book's on Amazon or I have like, uh, I have an audio book I just put out too, which is cool. I just snuck that out. So if people like to listen, um, I also do audio blogs because Oftentimes people are driving and some of us yeah. are ADHD like me and we don't, you don't read as much. So I like yeah. to listen to books and anyway, so yeah, rkblog.com. Cool. cool. And the books on Amazon. Yes. Wherever books are sold. Awesome. Wherever books, wherever books are sold folks. That's great, man. 
Well, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, pour into worship leaders and to join us on the Loop Community Show. It's great My to pleasure. see you again. And I hope to see you at Worship Innovators. Oh, yeah, I plan on it. Absolutely. Coming up in October. It's going to be good. All right. See you, Rich. All right, you guys. Great conversation with Rich Kirkpatrick. Make sure you go check out his book, Mind Blown. Go to Amazon. Check this out. Really good stuff for uh, just learning how to kind of develop a process for for working out and exercising that creativity muscle that you've got. So anyways, I want you to type down in the comments what's one thing you're walking away from this conversation with. What's one thing that stood out to you that you're going to walk away from this with? Type it down in the, into the chats wherever you're watching this video. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can stay tuned for future Loop Live episodes. And thanks for being a part of the community. We'll see you next time. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Couldn't do what we do without you. Let us know in the comments what you thought. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube. Stay tuned. We got a bunch more stuff coming. Appreciate you guys. See ya.